and welcome to the Toasted Buns podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Tracy. And we We're are the, the Toasted, Toasted Buns. Buns. Ciao, Hope. Ciao, Tracy. Como stai? Mozzo bene. <laughs> Grazie. Um, we're talking about Italian food, if you guys it, couldn't guess that yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you ever been to Italy? I haven't. It's on my list. I'm someday. Yeah, I'm sure you'll get there. Yes. It's a good place for a pastry chef to visit. Yes. Yeah, I've been there. How many times? I've actually been there twice. Tell I'm me very about lucky. it. Uh, the first time I went to like the three big tourist spots, Rome, Venice, and Florence on my grand tour in college, backpacking. And then in 2011, I went to southern Italy by accident. Like, my trip got all messed up. And I ended up in southern Italy with a bunch of Italians and had the best time ever. And I love everything about that country. Is there a drastic difference between northern and southern Italy and the cuisine and the um, people and just overall? Well, there is a difference between the cuisine, actually, Hope. Uh, I would say that the more northern Italy is much richer, heavier food. It's traditional, like, lasagna, heavy-based tomato sauce, spaghetti and meatballs, uh, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and southern Italy is much uh, lighter, more Mediterranean-infused, uh, lots of lemons everywhere. So they cows up north and fish there. down south, Yeah, basically. a lot of fish. Yes, it's so good. Um, but one of the things I really remember the most about my first time in Italy, especially in the north, was gelato. Every single day was gelato, sometimes more than once. Well, what is the difference between gelato and ice cream? Is there a difference? There, I mean, there is. Gelato has less fat overall. So gelato is going to be like more milk heavy and ice cream is going to be more like cream heavy. So gelato is not going to have as much cream and as much fat as an ice cream. It's also not going to have as much egg yolk typically. And like the machines are different as well. So an ice cream machine, like, if you're getting a professional model or whatnot, or a gelato machine, is a gelato machine is going to spin much less air into it. So that's why it's kind of like denser and like, so yeah, richer. <laughs> but and it's I, less fattening. I mean, it's still not great for you, but <laughs> right. yeah. It's not like it's... carrots. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it. Nope. Come on. I want to eat some. And carrots are really hard to incorporate into frozen desserts. Oh, you in just general. did that recently, didn't you? Like, yeah, last, last year around Easter time. Yeah. I really think the only dessert that a carrot should be infused into is a cake right? yeah i mean it belongs in a cake it's delicious in carrot cake yeah i do love carrot cake we haven't talked about carrot cake on we the show we haven't talked yet. about many cakes or bakeries in general but we'll get there yeah i think we're uh, one of our upcoming episodes brunch brunch, brunch and baked slash goods. bakeries yeah slash bas we are goods. gonna get fat for that one for sure i love brunch um what about other italian desserts i mean the two, of course, the Italian dessert that comes to the top of my mind, or in probably most people's mind, is tiramisu, mm -hmm. which I do love. What do you think about that? And what is tiramisu? Tiramisu, you know? it's like, um, it's ladyfingers. Mm -hmm. So they're just like, basically like a, a really dry sponge. People aren't going to make them yourself. If you like are making a tiramisu, you're probably just going to go buy them from a supplier. But it's um a sponge piped out into like, maybe like three inch long, like little like, Lady fingers. Little lady fingers, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the tiramisu is a base of the lady fingers, and they're going to be soaked in um, a coffee liqueur. Mm -hmm. And then there's a cream called a sabayon, which is um, put on there as well. And usually mascarpone cheese is mixed into the sabayon. What Se is sabayon? Sabayon, it's just sugar and eggs, and you cook it over a double boiler. And mm. for those who don't know, do you know what a double boiler is? I do, but please okay. let our <laughs> listeners know. So double boiler not. is a way to cook things 
and not burn them instantly. So if you're going to like cook eggs and sugar, or even if you're like beginning to like learn how to cook a curd, that's a good way I would teach someone who's not very familiar with like what temperatures to use, you know, so they don't burn and curdle everything. But it's, um, you take a saucepan, put an inch or so of water in the bottom, and then you're going to take a bowl and put the bowl over the top of the pan. And that way the heat from the boiling water is still cooking the egg and cooking the sugar, but it's not like directly on the heat and you're not going to like end up with scrambled eggs. Hopefully. Is it kind of <laughs> similar to steaming vegetables? Yeah. It's yeah, the same the concept, same process. right? Yeah. So if you're you cooking it with steam, these things, the sugar and the egg? The steam doesn't actually get into it you're more just like warming, warming the up. bowl mm, okay I'm i mean actually... if, it, if it was like a chinese steamer and i had the like slips in it then that would be steaming it yeah okay you uh, almost any time that i look up a recipe if it says in your double broiler i immediately switch uh recipes because i've <laughs> never i don't have it's one easy. And I, yeah I, I need to do it um okay awesome uh, i love tiramisu a good tiramisu like i like it really uh Soggy, for lack of a better word. <laughs> I like those lady fingers soaking wet. What did you think of the one we had at Felix? Or should we wait till we get to the Felix section to talk about that? Um, best tiramisu I ever had was at a restaurant that I worked at in New York City for many years. And it was a really small family-owned restaurant called Il Bugato. Hey, <laughs> hey, Il Bugato. I think you're still there. What part of New York was it uh, in? It was in the lower, well, like Alphabet City, second street between A and B. And I worked there for at least two years, I think. It was actually really fun. And they ter- they served their tiramisu in like a Sunday bowl, cup, oh, like nice. a glass thing. And yeah, you ate it with a spoon. And it was so good. I miss that tiramisu, you guys. One of my favorite Italian restaurants in the city was um, in the East Village where we said, and it was called Max. Did you ever go there? I did. It's like yes. a little tiny pole in the wall. Yeah. Yes. That and it was, was so good. adorable. Yeah. I would go there on dates. I took my parents where they were in town. It was like my go-to place. Um, what about the place on Bushwick and Graham, really close to my apartment? Il Pescatore. I don't know if I've been that to that one. Is so, that one of the old school, like from the seventies, like mob places? Yes, yes, I think so. I've been to There's one of those. I'm not sure which one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and actually, it's funny where I live now in Los Feliz. There's a lot of. Uh, Italian restaurants like that, and it reminds me a lot of Graham Avenue. The same vibe, yeah. yeah. So I'm not as homesick as I would be <laughs> otherwise, because I get to pop by these uh, Italian restaurants that are so close, including La Pergoletta, which I'm going to talk to you about in our review section. It's funny that you and I <laughs> both worked at Italian restaurants. My first uh, professional restaurant that I ever worked in, first pastry kitchen, was at Scalini Fideli, which is in Tribeca, and it's still there, and it still exists, and a lot of the staff is still there. Hi, guys. Hey. <laughs> I think I actually... You, I worked you did there the a couple room times. One day. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> I remember that. So our friend was the bartender there, and um, she got me a gig... Um, Working in the coat room, and basically it was trying to keep track of, you know, the rich ladies make jackets while their drunk husbands were, like, trying to get them out the door, and hopefully no one's too much of a jerk that night. But, no, it was a great place. I really enjoyed working there. And, you know, I got to see little bits of the restaurant industry here and there, like, while I was working in the door. And then, you know, came to attention to the pastry chef there. Hi, Carlos. Um, Needed a pastry assistant. And so they had me start coming in. And on Friday and Saturday nights, when it got to be over 100 covers, they'd need somebody else to help plating um, desserts. And so that's my that's first how, start. Yeah. That's how Hope became a professional pastry <laughs> chef, by starting in the, the coat, coat room. room. Yes. So, well, I mean, how was working in the kitchen in New York in a busy Italian restaurant in Tribeca? Um, I mean, I really had no 
clue what I was doing in the very beginning. And it was, I mean, pretty obvious. And I couldn't, and I still can't speak Spanish, which is one of my faults. And I know I need to learn, especially working in a I'll teach you. kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. And um, yeah, I knew they were talking about me when um, Blanca came up every once in a while, but that was like about or it. Or Esperanza. No, the kitchen now I hear Esperanza. <laughs> That's hilarious. Kitchen then it was Blanca. But, um, Esperanza is Spanish for hope. Yeah. <laughs> One um, of the few words that I do know. That's hilarious. Actually. But I mean, yeah, like I, they'd have me pick mint leaves off before service or they'd have me like plate desserts every once in a while. And they did a fried ricotta donut there. And so, the, you know, I got to mm. work the deep fryer and it's just the littlest things. But like I was still so scared of everything at that point in time. And um, brings me into like thinking about this. I start thinking about like other jobs I had early on and other job interviews that I have gone on early on. And like when I was first starting out, I had no idea how you do it. So, I mean, basically, if you're trying to get a job at a restaurant, like even if it's a low level or high level, whatnot, they're going to have you come in and do like basically a day's work of uh, free work. Sometimes they'll pay you. Sometimes they won't. It depends. And, and sometimes it's half a day. Yeah. yeah sometimes it's, it's two hours work. and you realize yeah. the person doesn't know how to make ganache and you send them home, you know? Like, yeah. But this is going to be like called a stage. So just anybody who's ever like trying to get their foot in the door, be prepared for this. I remember when I was um, trying to find like a first like real like full-time pastry job you know Squeenie was only part-time and you know here and there I um went on a stage at Blanca and Roberta's and so Roberta's we should have mentioned in the pizza episode but we didn't but it was a Bushwick mainstay and it's grown to be like international superpower now yeah (laughs) it's delicious and their high-end restaurant behind them is a tasting menu called Blanca and I really really thought it was I wanted to go there so bad. I still do. It's on the top of my list of places that I want to go. But I went in and did a day's work of work there. And I had had a little bit of experience at Squeenie. So I thought like, oh, sure, this will be no problem. I'm going to get this job in a second. You had experience like picking the mint, basically, yeah. right? <laughs> and making cupcakes at home. And that didn't like compare to like what these girls there were doing. And they told me to grab a quart container and you know put something in it. And like, I knew there was a big deli and a small deli. And for those of you who don't work in restaurants, I'm sure you can imagine like what your Chinese food comes in, you know, the big size clear the plastic, plastic soup containers, yeah, right? Are yeah. they called delis? Well, in a restaurant, we're going to call them like either quarts, the big ones are quarts and the little ones are pints. Okay. Or like some restaurants call them big delis and small delis. It just depends on oh, like who, okay. you know, who's working with who or whatnot. But, um, Remember they asked me to grab a core container and I like was so scared because I wasn't sure which one it was. And I like asked them and they were both just like, yeah, that's that. And I'm just like, okay. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm never going to. So how did you, how did you make that jump from like knowing nothing to even just being able to get your first job? Um, well, I mean, I went on another interview right after that to Union Square Cafe, which is oh, another very, very yeah. famous you one. You were aiming really high for I was aiming high girl. for somebody who... Who that place is really good. They were doing too. is it? I've never actually eaten oh, there. Yes, it's delicious. And um, the first thing that they had me do on my stage was make some biscotti, which is another very Italian thing that we can talk about. Yeah. And I didn't know, have any idea how to make that. And um, one of the girls there working with me, she's like, "Well, have you baked them a second time?" And I'm like, "Oh, no." She's like, "Did you know they get baked a second time?" And I'm like, "No." And they're like, "Okay." Bye, basically. First of all, it's quite amazing that they even got you into stage in the pastry kitchen. Like, did well, you now have... I've realized that every place is desperate for work, so every place like, probably will take, will allow answer. anyone to come in and stage. You like, hear that, people? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so make up a resume, and you'll probably get a call back. Yeah, but, which is true, I think. And um, 
I mean, the pastry chef there was super nice, but, you know, just, like, was another thing where I realized how, like, completely... That's awesome. ...unprepared I was. And then I did find, you know, a chef who did give me a break, even though, like, I completely botched my stage there, and it was um, at Marlo and Sons, which is... I think I've mentioned it yeah. before. That was my first... We love Marlo and Sons. We do love Marlo and Sons. We miss you. And um, a lot of great chefs have come out of that kitchen, and that place is still doing amazing. Yeah. But, you know... I it's in like... Brooklyn. It's in Williamsburg. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, go check it out. It's an amazing restaurant in South Williamsburg. Finally got them to hire me, and I just didn't take it for granted and worked my ass off ever That's amazing. since. Yeah. And now you know how to make biscotti, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to talk a little bit about making biscotti? I mean, biscotti is just it's a very dry dough. Yeah, um, I'm not really into it. Yeah. I mean, there's a time and a place for it, yeah, I guess. With a coffee. Yeah, I would never go out of my way to order it on its own but basically it's like a very dry dough and you're gonna put like whatever you want and lots of time it has like dried apricots or pistachios or um it's good with cornmeal in it cornmeal and like fennel seed like that works really well but you're gonna bake it in long skinny like maybe like two inch wide but by 10 inches long thin sticks i don't know yeah cook what like you rolled the dough out on a cooking sheet um, well, what I would do is I would, like, divide the dough into sections with gloves and then just kind of, like, pat it into the shape that I want. So you're going to want, like, maybe, like, two inches by ten inches, like this long log, I guess the word is for it. So you're going to bake those logs on a cookie sheet, and then when they come out, like, quite a cool for, like, you know, a few minutes. And then you're going to cut those into little, like, one-inch-wide slits. So you have, like, these long, skinny, like, not lady fingers, but kind of the same shape as a lady finger. Yeah. Then you're going to bake those again at a really low temperature just to, like, dry them out. And that's how they get crunchy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because biscotti is not my favorite Italian dessert. My favorite, other favorite Italian dessert is panna cotta. Ah, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> panna cotta. <laughs> panna cotta literally means cooked cream. Oh, really? Yes. Mm, but it's cold. But you have to cook it in order to get the gelatin to set. And that's the main ingredient in panna cotta is cream and gelatin. You don't have to use cream. You could use half and half. You could use yogurt. You could use some other kind of like dairy products, but that's the main idea of it. Mm-hmm. And then, and then there's usually a, some sort of topping, a berry topping. Right? Yeah, panna cotta is going to be on so many different dessert menus. I mean, many places I have worked have had one on their menu, not even just Italian restaurants, because it's so versatile. Yeah, like you could take it and add any flavoring to the cream, steep anything you want in the cream, put anything you want on top of it. You can mold it into any shape you want. You can do anything you want yeah. with it. It's really cheap, and it holds up for a couple days. Wow. So it's like it's something that every restaurant loves to use. Yeah. Do you like it? I do. Do you like yeah. making it? Yeah. I mean, it's it's very easy to make, and okay. it's not that time consuming either. Yeah. Maybe. If you want a dessert to make at home, it's Italian. Like, I would definitely recommend making that. Okay. It's like I've very never very easy. Gelatin before. So gelatin. Um, seeing I have access to it, I love working with sheet gelatin. It's very very easy. You just like they come in these like sheets like again like two inches wide maybe like eight or ten inches long and it's like feels like like plastic it kind of feels like plastic okay and so it's gonna be hard and you got to bloom your gelatin in order to get to get it to a stage where you're gonna want to cook with it and so to bloom your gelatin you're gonna put it in a quart container of ice water or very cold water Okay. And so leave it there for like five minutes or so, and then you'll feel that your gelatin's all nice and soft and mushy, and that means it's ready to go. And this is still feeling like plastic at that point? No, it feels like soft and mushy <laughs> stuff. Okay. <laughs> awesome. So basically, now that your gelatin is ready to go, you need something hot to dissolve it in. So you're going to have your saucepan 
with your sugar and your your half and half or your cream or whatever it is that you're using. And then you're going to get that nice and hot. Like, you don't ever even need to boil it. Like, even if the recipe says it, you don't need to. You just need to get it hot enough to dissolve the gelatin. Then put your gelatin in there. And then you can either pour it into a mold. I set the whole thing over an ice bath if you, like, are going to mold it later. And that's that. Wow. Yum. Um, also, Il Bigato had a very good panna cotta. <laughs> did they? What did they do to theirs? Um, they did all of that. But it came in a small tin foil thing, and it had uh, it, it just had perfect texture. The texture yeah. was really good. Yeah, working there was insane because it was such a small restaurant, and we they they wrote everything down rather than like we didn't use computers. It was very old school. It was wild. It was awesome. It was crazy. You really had to to like be on your feet a lot. Be so fast paced. Um, that's kind of like the issue with like working in any kind of like restaurant, whether like you have front of the house experience. I mean, I have a little bit of front of the house experience, but like either way, you have to know, like if you're going to be in a restaurant, it's going to be very long days. It's going to be very hard. And you, you really have to be (laughs) quick on your feet Yeah, and you're going to be on your feet all day. Yes. And you're going to be around a lot of men. The majority of the people you're going to interact with are going to be men. Yeah. Um, and actually recently Mario Batali was just, uh, Accused of sexual harassment. Did you hear about that? I have. And as well as um, the other gentleman from uh, the, the Hearth and the Hound in uh, April Bloomfield's restaurant. Oh, really? Yes. What's happening with that? I don't know. I've heard nothing about it since. Uh, I haven't really heard yeah. much about Mario's I either. think they're both, like, camping out in the, like, Swiss Alps yeah, together. Yeah, like, Harvey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Mario <laughs> Batali, we just went to Italy. We did. Yes, and... Um, for those of you who don't know, Italy is a basically it's like a giant Italian supermarket emporium filled to the brim with every sort of product from Italy that you can imagine, as well as it's overwhelming. I mean, it's awesome. It's it massive. Yeah, yeah, it's massive. Like you need more than one day, I think, or time, a lot of time. You to need cruise, a couple hours. It, definitely, I like looking in there. I, I love know. looking at food. I would love to go and like see all the different breads and all the different cheeses like there's a million cheese cheese. (laughs) (laughs) um i was actually thinking about cheese as i usually do while i was in italy and i um there's so many different types of italian cheeses and so i did a little research about uh the different types of cheese because i didn't know did you know that pecorino romano is different from parmesan which is different from asiago I do. I know they're different things, and I, I don't know enough about cheese making myself to know what the differences are in them. Like, yeah. do you know any more about that? Well, I do now. Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> pecorino, pecorino is from sh- sheep's milk. Parmesan comes from the specific region of Parma. So it's like it's like Champagne is from Champagne region of France. Parmesan is from the Italian region of Parma. And you know what? Like... There's an amazing book. I read it last year, so I can't remember all the details that were in it, but it's called Real Food, Fake Food by Larry Olmsted, and it talks exactly about that, how, like, Parmesan is only, like, real from one certain area, how, like, olive oils, if it says on the label, from Spain and Australia and this and this, it's, like, absolute garbage because it... You don't want something yeah, blended. Yeah, you can't you mix want... it up. Yeah. It's like wine, too. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of rules. There's a chapter on wine in there. We could do a whole show about Oh, definitely. Stuff. Maybe we will, actually. Yeah, that's That'd a good idea. I do love Italian wine. <laughs> And I love it. It goes really well with Italian cheese. <laughs> <laughs> we should do a whole wine and cheese pairing yes, episode. Yes, that's a great idea. Um, well, yeah. And then there's all sorts of different meats. And I, they had every single type of meat at Italy as well. And 
Yeah, actually, I found it fascinating, too, because while we were walking around there, it was pretty close to closing hour. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering what they were going to do with all this. They were packing up all that beautiful bread. Yeah, they were having bread that had, like, just come out of the oven, Yeah, and it was beautiful. It looked so good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're like, "Um, what are you doing with that bread? Do you guys, like, give a discount at that end of the (laughs) And he really surprised me. What was his answer? His answer was they give it to charity. Yeah. And we were both completely okay with that. Yeah. (laughs) So good job, Italy, for saving your or sharing your beautiful breads. Um, Someone will definitely appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you make a lot of Italian breads in your job? I don't. um, There's so many different kinds of breads, like, all throughout the world. It's it's impossible for me to know the difference in all of them. But one bread that, like, I have had to make a lot of in my past and I feel like lots of restaurants use is a focaccia. 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 In Italy, we love you, but I really was not too keen on the piece of focaccia that I tried. I think it had been sitting around yeah, way well, too long. Yeah, well, it definitely <laughs> had been sitting around for too long, and it, did they did heat it up for you, right? They heated it up, but I mean, it was like so hard to the point that it, like it flew across the table and flew on the floor, <laughs> and the plastic fork broke in half when I tried to cut it. That's not what you want to happen to your focaccia no. when you are at Italy. You want your focaccia to be, uh, <laughs> you want it to be soft. You want it to be, well, this is my perfect version of it. Please it's like us. soft and puffy and has lots of like air holes throughout it. And it's got a lot of oil on it. Yeah. The bottom can have a little bit of a crunch on it, yeah. but you don't want it hard. You want it to be like, just kind of like melting little, and yeah, soft. Yeah, I agree. And, that's the only way I like it, really, because I don't I don't like focaccia that much. Well, I will make it for you someday, oh, and mine's pretty you good. You have a long list that of was, things to make me, darling. Stark. <laughs> <laughs> Remind me. That was uh, one of the first – I think that was probably the first bread that I learned how to make. And then, um, you know, I mean, it was pretty hard for me because yeah, I really had no idea how to make breads except for a few here or there at home. And I remember my chef at the time – getting upset with my focaccia not turning out high enough and puffy enough. And, you know, it was like one of those things to put me in my place and realize, okay, like, I'm not good at this yet. I need to get better. And then Um, I have made hundreds of focaccia since then. But the good thing about it is it's, like, so customizable, too. It's just, like, what I would do is make the dough the night before, you know, do a couple folds, throw it in the walk-in, forget about it. And then the next day you take it out, you proof it for a little while, and you're going to use your fingers to put all the little – dimples oh, in it that's, that's how you ask you how yeah you that's that. how you do that and so you're just gonna like smooth it out over your sheet tray put your little dimples in it and then you can put whatever topping you want on it and if it's a topping that's gonna burn really easy what i would do is i'd put it on towards the end of the cooking mm. so i would like cook it for a few minutes or maybe like 10 15 whatever to get it so like to, to rise to get a little bit of color on it and then you can throw whatever topping you want it on it make sure there's oil on it so it's not gonna burn and then make sure there's a lot of salt and then throw it back in yum yeah. That sounds good. So I, it sounds like you know how to make focaccia now. No. Yes. And we ate a bestia a while ago. I, what? It was when it was when Hope flew I was to LA. First interviewing for this interview. job that took me so, a year to get the job. So yeah. So <laughs> it was a long time ago. She came here to interview, and we were hanging out by the Line Hotel where they put Having her a up pool party by yeah. the pool. And we decided we wanted to try bestia, which for those of you who don't know, bestia is a pretty famous restaurant in. Los Angeles. That it's been was around for years too, ha- right? And it's still. Uh, yeah, I guess so. It's and insanely busy. It's insanely busy. The uh, chef is a. Um, he's a, learned from Pizzeria Moza and Nancy Silverton, and it's downtown and it's loud and it's bustling and it's so hip and cool. And 
you have to have a reservation to get in there, except if you're us and you just know what to do. We have good luck about <laughs> this, really I think. Are. I guess if you just show up looking desperate and hungry, <laughs> yeah. they want you in places. And, and like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's what we did. We walked in and we actually got really, really, really great the best seats, seats in the whole house. Right at the bar of the uh, pizza dough makers they're, right by their oven they're they're a huge oven yes yeah, like so they a chef's have like table at the, it was it was basically like a chef's yeah. table we it was like everything it was like right next to like where the um the chef was expoing and the line and then right across in the pizza oven and they're like flames shooting up from the grill and just everything and yeah. like watching how fast this guy would like throw pizzas in there was so impressive and that pizza was good pizza the sauce was delicious yeah. that's what i remember most about that experience yeah i really like i like that place i just sometimes i do wish it was a little bit less loud so but I could I, focus on the food because the food is really good. But one of the things that I've been learning, too, as we have, like, started going to more restaurants and I'm thinking about restaurants I've been through the course of my life is that atmosphere is just as important as any of the food, any of the restaurants. And uh, some restaurants want to be really quiet. Some want a, a bustling, like, entertainment, lively, hip scene. But, like, you have to, like, know what you're looking for. And if you want to, like, entertain clients or if you want, like, a fun night out, Bestia is, like, a, a great example of where yeah, to go. Or if you want to go with someone who you don't want to talk to. Or you don't want to listen to them talk because that's true. You can't really hear. And also, we need to go back there and just eat the desserts. We do. Yeah, because did we? We must have had dessert I, that night. I, I don't remember if we did. I feel like we must. Have. I feel like we must have too, but I don't remember what it was. Anyways, uh, um, Bestia in Los Angeles. We and they that. are opening a Middle Eastern restaurant very soon as well Ooh. called Babel. I can't, Bob, Babel. I can't figure out how to Where? pronounce it. I don't know. Somewhere probably around the same area. Awesome. I'll look forward to that. Yeah, I'll definitely stop by that as well, too. Yeah. Well, speaking of a really great atmosphere, we went to Felix, which we have mentioned uh, Felix before in our pizza episode. Because we love it. Yeah. (laughs) And they had a lovely atmosphere. It was like, it wasn't as wild as Bestia. It was obviously very different. It was more like... It felt like a little rustic Italian country cottage... You know, like Mama's house. But almost. not too fine, not like, not, not no, stuffy. It was just like, yeah. yeah, it was lovely. We also got that tiny little corner bar table, so we weren't eating in the in the dining room. But we had, um, we never talked about their pasta. We're oh. talking about Italian food. Well, yeah, talk about their pasta. So it's delicious. Ha- <laughs> uh, Paceo Pepe is a really simple Italian traditional dish that has a lot of myths surrounding its origin. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I first heard about the origin of Cacio Pepe on sh- the first episode of uh, the first season, I'm sorry, of The Chef's Table on Netflix. And the chef uh, Massimo oh, Massimo Batura, he's an Italian chef who has uh, won some Michelin stars in his life. and He's been on the like number one world's best chef list, I believe, the yeah, San Pellegrino. Yeah, I think even his restaurant won the best restaurant in the world. I think so, yeah. yeah. And apparent, the the rumor is that he created this recipe when there was an earthquake in in Romagna, and they were housing all this uh, Parmesan cheese. He's not that old, though. That's what. Well, the earthquake happened in uh, 2012. Okay, so he's like, say if he's like in his 50s. There's, I still think there's no way this dish is like. Wait, 2012. So that's like it's not well, very old. That's not very old. Yeah, I think this, this dish, dish is, is way older, older than this. And the research that I did, Serious Eats told me that in the 1960s this was like a super popular dish. And I like believe anything that Serious Eats tells me. Hi. Hey, Serious Eats. <laughs> 
And also, uh, Wikipedia told me that the Romans ate it back in the day because they didn't really have a lot of ingredients. And by the way, we didn't actually explain what cacio pepe is. Why don't you tell us about it? Yes. Well, traditionally, in the most traditional sense, you get a giant uh, round wheel of Parmesan cheese and the middle is scooped out. And after the pasta is cooked, normally it's like a bucatini or spaghetti, something long and homemade and delicious. And uh, after it's cooked, it's put into the center of the cheese wheel with a little bit of the um, the water that mm-hmm. you cooked the pasta in so that the cheese will adhere to the pasta. Well, that's and then it's a... mixed up and topped with cracked black pepper. And it's so freaking good. Isn't it so like simple. a pasta cooking trick? I mean, I, I don't cook enough Italian food. I like cook pasta directly out of the box and just... Don't do anything special to it. But don't a lot of like cooks do that? Use the pasta water, reserve it. I to... use it a lot. Yeah. Is that to Any help your sauce? I'm... Yeah, it just makes can make it a little bit thicker and it makes it uh it makes the sauce adhere to your pasta. Oh nice. Yeah. Yeah. So uh that's cacio pepe, which we had at Felix and it was really good. I I enjoyed it. Did you and do you remember? I that enjoyed pasta? it a lot. Um I don't think I've ever actually had it at a restaurant before. And the thing that I noticed, um, the pasta was just cooked absolutely perfect. Like, the texture of the pasta was beautiful. It was very, very peppery, though. Yeah, it was very peppery. But, you know, the name of the dish is cheese and pepper. So, so it would kind of be a scam if they didn't give you pepper, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, we also had um, Cacheo Pepe recently at Union in Pasadena which is a restaurant that I've been wanting to try for quite at least over two years. It's been on my list. I was pretty excited about trying it. The Cacio Pepe. The Cacio Pepe. And, and their Cacio Pepe was served with bucatini, homemade bucatini, um, which I really loved because it was like it's like a tube, but it's yeah, a very it's long, like thin tube. Yeah. yeah. It was thick. Let's talk yeah. about uh, Union in general. What did we think of the um, restaurant? I mean, overall, I... I, li- I really liked it. I enjoyed the food. I thought the service was great. I would eat there again. The atmosphere sucked. I really didn't <laughs> like the atmosphere. That's like my yeah, I would number. say I should just say lack of atmosphere. Yeah. Lack of atmosphere. Yeah. Like the whole room itself is one well, well, like super way too lit uh room bare. of light colored kind of bare. Light colored brick Sterile. walls. Sterile. There were no plants in there There's either. There's no plants. And then they had these weird black shades crossing out the window. Well, that's the thing. So I had wa- I had actually interviewed at Union when I first moved to L.A. I thought I wanted to waitress there. I still would waitress there. It'd be fun. Um, yeah, the waitress looked happy. Yeah. And if I hadn't been there before, I, I would have never been able to find the restaurant. I don't understand why they had those shades pulled down. They have these beautiful bay windows yes. in front of the restaurant. And they are completely... Blacked out, not even with pretty curtains or just plants or shades like this. Just, nothing against yes, your shades. Yes, for those of you who <laughs> can't see, they're just blackout shades, basically. That's what and they if are. you want to blackout like any outdoor lights or anything like that because you want a dark restaurant, I can almost get that. But when you have basically bare light bulbs hanging because your restaurant is so bright, what's the point of like blocking out? Especially when they're reflecting off your pretty much bare walls. Well, they had like a brick wall with nothing on it, and then whatever. Anyways. The thing is, I really like the food. <laughs> I liked most of the food. Um, let me. We'll. T- we're gonna. I'm gonna just tell you guys real quick. We had what we ordered. We ordered a lot. Uh, <laughs> we had a housemade stracciatella. We had pork meatballs. We had the hope ranch mussels, and we had the cacio pepe, which we've already discussed. 
<clears throat> Hope. I think you got it all. The stracciatella. Stracciatella. Um, it was. Sorry, Italians. Yeah. We don't mean to insult you. We really don't <laughs> we, mean to insult you. You can anymore. email us at the Toasted Buns Podcast at gmail.com to tell us, us how to properly <laughs> properly pronounce these words. Grazie mille. <laughs> <laughs> the stracciatella is awesome. Um, basically, it's just like... Wait, st- wait. Oh, okay. Go ahead. It's like yeah. stretched cheese. And so they start off, they buy the cheese curds and then... From a local dairy from a farmer. local dairy. It's only organic and yes. grass-fed and And then I'm that. not sure what they do to it then, but somehow they, they cook it and turn it stretchy. And so basically you get like a pile of stretchy cheese goo on a plate yeah. with olive oil and salt and pepper and then a roasted garlic uh, puree like under it. Yeah. And four tiny pieces of bread. Okay, well, we're going to come back to the bread. We'll save that for last. But the cheese. The cheese itself was awesome. Yeah. I could eat, like, a whole plate of that. I probably should have only eaten that because it was very rich and creamy and filling, but so freaking good. I really thought that was very good. Done well. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. Um, the bread. The bread. Okay, they definitely should have served more bread. But looking back on it, I was like, maybe I should have put more cheese on the bread. <laughs> so I eat less bread. Yeah, but then we would have had cheese like dripping off the bread onto our hands. Is that what they wanted? I don't know, but like the at the first point of that bread, I was okay with. But when the meat, when the mussels came with the same amount of bread, the mussels were in a huge wide bowl, right? With yeah. tons of like tomato water sauce. It was a tomato based broth, which I think really I think the dish would have been better had it been a tomato soup with mussels in it because that's what it was. Essentially, but it, they didn't give us a spoon or enough bread. Yeah, it was. It wasn't working. There was no spoon. There was two little things of bread on the side of that, and then there was like the very tiny, um, like bucatini pastas. Is that what they're called? No, like the little. I think they're actually called like ditalini. Ditalini. <laughs> yeah, something like that. They're very, very small, almost like spaghettios, but smaller. Yeah, yeah. I would rather have spaghettios. Than <laughs> That's kind of what it tasted like. It tasted yeah, it like tasted they like opened sp- up yeah, a can and of tomatoes. watered it down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and poured it some spaghetti noodles, which is crazy because actually those were twenty four dollars. It was the most, the most expensive, expensive thing, thing we ate. There. We ended up spending a good amount of money. Yeah, which I knew we were going to. I mean, it's union and. It's that. It was good. Uh, everything else was everything else. I thought was amazing. Um, the pork meatballs. They were delicious. They were delicious. They were so. They were made with guanciale, which is an Italian cured meat prepared from pork cheeks, and that was in the meatballs, and they were um, very very smoky. And I loved the sauce. The that sauce, sauce was spicy, yeah, and salty. It had caper berries in mm. it, and it was like fresh, I really love good capers. to me too. So much and caper berries. And, yeah, um, I really thought they did a great job with that pasta. The pasta here at the Cache Pepe at uh, Union, they served it with a, a perfectly cooked egg, which they mixed into the pasta at the pla- at the table. It was very creamy. Oh, it was so creamy. It was so good. I mean, and you realize there's no cream or butter in that. It's literally no. just pasta and cheese. and The egg did the rest of yeah, the work. Yeah, and uh, I really enjoyed that. I would have... If you weren't there, I would have eaten that whole thing by myself. Oh, I could have easily eaten that whole thing yeah, by myself. Yeah, I would go back for that, and I would go back for the cheese, and I'd go back for the meatballs, just yeah. not the mussels. And we have to try the dessert, I think. But we were just too full. I'm so See, sorry, See, and I've, Hope. like, noticed this is a problem, too. Like, I, like, obviously want to try desserts, and I think a lot of people do want to try desserts, but you get to the point where after you eat, like, an appetizer and an entree, you're just, like, too full. And I think, like... What do you have to do? Set out the evening and be like, I'm only going to go out and eat dessert today or I'm only going to get an app and dessert? You know, like there has yeah. to. 
Or I think if we're if we're gonna keep doing what we're doing, we're just gonna have to like order less or take stuff home. You know, yeah, I, guess it's I was a good listening idea. to a really interesting um, interview with a food reviewer, and he said that every restaurant they go to, they only eat half the food because they are eating like six meals a day. And so if I if we could eat half, and then maybe That's I'd true. have room for dessert. Yeah, but. I couldn't. I just love that cheese and that pasta. <laughs> oh, Italian food! You really are amazing. Yeah, never having enough room for dessert is definitely a problem. Yeah. Well, maybe we should do a whole episode on pastries and desserts. Yeah. Before our diet starts. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah. Awesome. So that is definitely something we're going to be talking about coming up, as well as we have some guests coming up. Um, and, and breakfast foods, yes, too. There's so many foods. breakfast and brunch spots. LA is a brunch town. Yeah, definitely. I love brunch. So if you guys have any recommendations, any thoughts, you want to yell at us about our horrible Spanish accents. I'm sorry. If you want to yell at us about our horrible Italian accents. We have accents. horrible Spanish accents, too. Don't, I mean, well, except for you. You're, you're good at that. But. Uh, feel free to email us at the Toasted Buns podcast at, at gmail.com. Um, once again, I'm Tracy. Ciao. I'm Hope. (laughs) And we're the Toasted Buns.